Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story, and we are going to do our ASU football 2022 game-by-game preview. That's right. Matt, the Devils are coming off a relatively successful season last year. Uh, Fell short of expectations, but, you know, made a bowl, won eight games. Yeah, I mean, uh, compared to... You know, grand scheme, uh, if you look at, like, okay, ASU football since 2004, which is really the time that we're most familiar with, it's, what, the fourth best season record-wise? I mean, like, we had two 10-win seasons under Graham, the one under Erickson. I think that's that's it, right? Well, there was the cutter. We went 9-3 and three or whatever it was, yeah. I think, at first year. So, yeah, 8-4 was pretty good in that perspective, but – as we've discussed, and we don't have to relitigate uh, what 2021 was, but it was, I still feel like a disappointment yeah. given the expectations and given what we kind of knew was coming, which was some program unrest right after. Um, you know, it, it just left you feeling a little bit empty inside. And now that unrest is coming home to roost. I know the Athletic did a coach hierarchy and had Herm down in tier four uh, yeah. with a quote that, you know, sure, it's on the field so far has been okay, but the hammer's going to drop soon, and they have not really at all been able to fix recruiting pre-hammer right. drop. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was, there was momentum. You know, it felt like there was momentum. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not exactly a, a – fair or an equal comparison but sort of feels like the you know the herm years remind you a little bit of of like how things got started with herb sendek like Mm -hmm. you know there was momentum we got some good recruits we you know it felt like we were trending in the right direction and this one's different herb didn't have you know scandal and investigation and all that stuff that that brought it down no but he he just didn't keep that momentum Right, right, yeah. I mean, he just started to have misses, and, and you know, so that's why it's not an apples to apples comparison. But the the feeling as a fan is similar in that you know you found yourself thinking, all right, we are we are building something good. I mean, you could say the same about Bobby Hurley. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the 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 verdict isn't totally in on him yet, but you know, four years ago, it felt like we were building something really good with basketball, and we haven't seen it come to fruition. And, you know, you and I talked a lot about it. You go back and, you know, that's the that's the beauty of these. We record these. You can go back and hear our optimism in 2018, 2019. We were recruiting well. We were getting better. We were winning some games that were, you know, we were beating Oregon. We were beating Michigan State. And you thought, you know, we're, we're trending up. And that has not proven to be the case yeah. so far. And it doesn't seem like it's going to be under this regime. And as you, as you go look, you see that we are – now without our leading receiver, our starting quarterback, our leading rusher, our backup running back, our most electric defensive player, our entire secondary, yeah. uh, our leader of the offensive core. line from last yeah. year, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, Emery Jones, Merlin Robertson, year five. Yeah, Kyle Sobelli. The Sobelli brothers. Yeah, I mean, and some, some, you know, hopefully impact transfers. The the running back, Valaday, Valaday, right, mm-hmm. from, from Wyoming. 
uh, you know, a couple receivers that we had. Um, you still haven't got you know, a... You still haven't got a, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a couple transfers on the line. I mean, we, we knew, you know, we talked about it through 2021 that it was going to be, you know, probably a lot of guys out and a lot of new guys in. Absolutely. It, you know, it wasn't, it's not a shock, but it's just that this is what, ha- like, we haven't recruited well out of high school. Our quarterback battle was uh, redshirt junior who, you know, appears to have won the number two job, a transfer from Alabama who was on Alabama because his grandfather was the most legendary coach there before Saban. Right. And and then Emory Jones, who, yeah, he officially got named the starter, but yeah, we, we, there wasn't really a thing, you know, it's, it's not like the other schools where it's like, well, we, you know, I saw Dan Lanning with Oregon said, I'm not going to name any starters for any position because I don't see the value for it. You might as well have named him the starter. There wasn't going to be a doubt. I mean, pretty much Emory Jones was the starter from the moment he he committed here, and whatever that was, April or May, mm-hmm. uh, unless you know he was just terrible. I, I mean, I think unless it was just like so obvious that you could not put him out there. But you know, when you um, when you make the decision to not stick with the guys you had through spring ball and bring in a guy who's you know been a starter with with some success, not a tremendous amount, but some success. I mean, he's not coming in to, to back up Trenton Bourdais. Yeah. So, yeah. Big, big power five football. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, um, you know, I, I, we've, we've talked about this, and I, I still think this way. I think Emory Jones can be comparable uh, to what Jaden Daniels gave us last year. Mm-hmm. The problem is all the other things you just mentioned a couple minutes ago about what's missing on the offense from last year. If you gave Emory Jones Rashad White and DeMonte Trainum and Ricky Pearsall and that offensive line, you know, okay, maybe well, you got Bunkley eight, Shelton. eight wins. <laughs> Bunkley Shelton, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's true. You know, see, see, I'm forgetting. Uh, you know, we've lost so many guys. Curtis Hodges yeah. who wasn't a transfer, but nonetheless, you know, was, was a big part of last year. Like, if you give him all that, I, can we win eight games again? Probably. But when you take all that away and you're not – it doesn't seem like on paper for whatever that's worth, you don't have comparable talent to replace. No, you know, we, you're, you're we, not plugging the, holes with, with equal talent. All the guys we lost were four star recruits and all the guys we've gained either as maturing ASU players or transfers are not <laughs> right. You know? Right. You know, so I mean, some guys could overachieve um, and, 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 you know, that's the thing. I mean, that's like, you play the games for a reason and we're going to talk about where we think those games are going to go. Um, and, and you know, is there enough there for this team to surprise? I, I don't personally think so, but you know, we'll see. Um, you know, there's always teams every year that, you know, as a, as a, somebody who follows, you know, all the really throughout the country I do, you know, there's teams like, wow, how's that team doing what they're doing? I wouldn't have expected that. Well, Michigan State you know, a few years ago. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, again, I don't think either one of us is, is brimming with optimism. Um, I, you know, I thought about it today as I was working, you know, and knew we were going to do this tonight. I, you know, trying to remember a season that I had less um, excitement and expectation for discounting 2020 because yeah. that was such a weird, you know, you didn't know what what the season was even going to be if we were going to have one. 
you know, given the Pac-12, what they were doing. But, you know, every other year, you know, like, I I've, I mean, I haven't always thought we were going to be great. I'm not saying that. But, you know, like, this one just uh, it's kind of sneaking up on me in a way. Like, we play our opening game in seven days. Mm-hmm. And, like, wow, that's seven days from now? And that, that hasn't been the case that often in the past for me. Usually I'm counting down for, you know, 30 days, whatever, and I'm, I'm ready to go. And this one is like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm curious, but I'm not necessarily excited for what's to come. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good take. I um, can shift gears, you know, hopefully, hopefully by, you know, October. I'll be thinking, boy, I wish I'd been more excited for this season. You know, like I, I didn't see this coming, but I just, um, I don't know. You know, it's a rather underwhelming home schedule. That's another factor. You know, the, the home slate isn't all that exciting. Um, and it just doesn't feel like this team has enough to really be, I mean, like high end. We, I, I don't know if we did this on recording last week or talked about it after, but you know, what's best case scenario for this team. Best case feels like seven or eight wins. Yeah. It's hard to get too jazzed when that feels like that's best case. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I so I'd like to do not different than normal, but but I'd like us to start with where do you think the strengths are on this team? Is it defensive line because of Rob Rodriguez? Is that? Uh, yeah. I mean, it it feels like it's probably if. if if there's an overwhelming strength, and I don't know that there is, it's probably to generalize even more, you know, front seven defensively, yeah. you, you do have Robertson and Soeli back and they were, you know, both, you know, Robertson has never quite been the player we expected him to be, but he's a good player. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not a superstar, but he's good. But he's, um, you know, he's a better Travis Gaithel. Yeah, oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Robertson, you know, we talked a lot last season about Jade Daniels and the sliding scale of expectation and how you evaluate someone. Robertson is very much like that. If Robertson had come in as a three-star recruit, we would say, man, that guy's a really good player. But because he came in as a four-slash-five-star guy and it was like, wow, this guy could be like one of the best defensive players in the country, he hasn't quite lived up to that billing. But he's good. Well, and I think part of that also is he came in with Butler – and the expectation right. was he was the the one, and Butler he was, was the star. two. And Correct. then after their freshman year, it became well, Darian Butler's the guy. Like right, he, right. He's and, doing. What and you he's... thought you thought after their freshman year, you thought, wow, we might have two stars because mm-hmm. Robertson probably so far peaked his freshman year. Agreed. At ASU. Agreed. You know, I mean, like I would say, his best year so far was his freshman season. Um, and, I don't think it's even time close. went on, <laughs> Butler was better. Yeah. I don't think it's even close that that Robertson, you know, has underwhelmed compared to what he started at. He yes, he and Jaden yes. Daniels very similar trajectories on that front as well. Yes, very much. That very you saw much, that and yeah. you're like, oh wow, there's something here, and it's like, why is this not? Why do we feel like we're stalling here? Why are we right. stuck in neutral? Right. Both guys just kind of got stuck. In, in neutral, that's a good way to put it. Um, and, you know, Dave Daniel's obviously going to finish his career elsewhere. Robertson's not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to get back to answering your question, I, I would say front seven defensively. I think we've got pretty good depth on the D-line. Not as good as you might have hoped, you know, six months ago. I yeah, mean, Lole, Lole transferring. 
uh, and Gentry Michael Maddox being out for the season doesn't doesn't help. Yeah, and Gentry being gone from the blitzing linebacker true, spot. True, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah. See, that's that's the thing. That's two guys now you've mentioned that I have forgotten that they've left because we've had so many guys leave. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not forgotten that they've left, but just forgotten them in my mind as key guys from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's it, that's almost the strength because it's hard to really say that anything else is going to be right. I mean, secondary, you're replacing everything uh, mm-hmm. from last year. Offense, we we just went through it, you know, 10 minutes ago. The amount of talent you lost offensively in production from last year. Yeah. And it's hard to say, oh, we're going to be a great running team or a great passing team. It doesn't, I mean, maybe we will, but there's not enough there to say that right now. So is this, well, let me rephrase this. The hype train for Elijah Badger was just rushing in, yeah. in year one. Right. Then in year two, it was like, hey, we know there was some difficulty. There were some issues, right. but just wait. Right. Didn't happen either time. No, not really. A little bit last year. Yeah. But but not to the extent that we hoped, given the, the preseason hype and the spring ball. You know, like mm-hmm. there were some nice moments, but... Overall, I mean, he didn't even have 10 receptions, didn't he? Like, if I'm right. remembering right. Right. He had a couple of good rushes, you know, uh, reverses where I think he scored a couple touchdowns maybe. But, yeah, the, you know, the production has not been there. So, so yes, are you are you leading to, is this the time? Is this it, the year that he finally does it? Is this the year where he puts it together because the, there's no one in front of him now? Like I, I was going to say, I mean, you got to think the opportunities there. I like mean, it, you know, it there's no Pearsall. Of, oh, he can't get on the field. Like, there's no clear number one with Pearsall. There's no, no clear possession receiver like Bunkley Shelton. There's no super hype, talented guy like Johnny Wilson. Right. So there's now, no tight end. Yeah. That's that's really back and and productive from last year. Uh, you know. So yeah, I agree. I mean, it feels like the the door is open for him and anyone else, honestly, to to step into that void and and. He supposedly got the talent. We saw it in very small little glimpses. So yeah, that would be uh, that would be big for this team if he becomes the player he was supposed to be. Yeah, I mean it's him. It's Chad Johnson the second. Yeah, yeah. And then you're looking at like Jalen Conyers. Um, yeah, at tight end has gotten some yeah. hype. Yeah, but is that it? I mean, I'm I'm asking. I mean, in terms of returning guys, I think so. We got well, there's the receiver from Vandy, correct? That we got transfer. Mm-hmm. Oh, the guy from um, trying to remember his Utah, name. Utah too. The receiver who was hurt. Oh, Brian Thompson. Right, yeah. right. He's back. Yes. Um, who had you know much like Badger had a couple of nice moments last year, but certainly no consistency. And then got hurt. Got hurt. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. You know, and then there's the tight end, uh, Messiah, right? Oh, yeah, Messiah Swinson So, I mean, there's there's some guys, but it's not a lot of, like, I mean, there's very little in the way of proven production. Cam Johnson is the receiver from Bandy. That was the name I was trying to remember. Um, you know, so there's, there's options, but, again, they are um, mostly unproven, if not completely unproven. Yeah. I am curious what to you know what 
to make of the offense under Glenn Thomas with all of this. Right, right. You know, yeah, like, that's it, a good point. It, it, there's I mean, nobody there. So it's on some level, obviously, it's a huge uphill battle. But on another level, blank canvas. Sure. You know, opportunity to to install your system without, you know, favor toward any guy. You're, yeah. We don't need to make sure Valaday gets touches. We don't need to make sure Badger gets touches. You know, true, there's a true. chance for yeah. people to yeah. step in here. I my fear is that it's going to be a lot of Emory Jones running for his life. I kind of wonder about that too because yeah, I mean that's uh, that's a strength of his. He's he's a good runner, um, and with an offensive line that seems like it's got question marks with not you know a ton of like well very little in the way of established running backs and receivers. Um, you know, yeah, seems like he's going to have to be a design runs and scramble type runs in order to, you know, keep the offense going. But then, you know, you mentioned Glenn Thomas and uh, something that honestly, I mean, enough time has gone by. I've almost forgotten some of it, but remember the, you know, spring ball, Oh, we're going to huddle more, Mm -hmm. uh, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's, that still does not fill me up with optimism because that's just not how college football is played right now. I mean, unless we're going to go all the way the other way and become an option team. Which I'm open yeah, to. Yeah, and you don't have the personnel to do it. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that that's the thing. Like, we, we've discussed this before. You know, Stanford kind of went that way during the Harbaugh, David Shaw years for most of the time. They they ran counterculture, essentially, because they played, you know, the big offensive line, the fullbacks, the tight ends, ran mm-hmm. the ball, uh, you know. But they recruited to that. They had the talent to do it. We, You know, you can't just you can't just say you're a power run team a ball control power run team. You've got to have the talent to do it. And, and I, you know, we don't have the personnel. I don't think to be that, you know, you can wish it, but it doesn't make it true. Yeah. Um, all right, let's look at the schedule and we're going to start as we so often do at home against Northern Arizona university. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty well, you know, it's either NAU or, or a home game against an FCS team. I've, in the, what, 19 years? Well, again, we'll take out 2020. The 18 years, I feel like we've done that about 16 times. Yeah. First game is a home game against an FCS team. So, look, you got to win this game. And you got to, yes. and, and if it's close, that's bad. If it's, yeah. If it's competitive yeah. at halftime, buckle up because it's going to be a long year. That said, it would not shock me if it's if it's a battle. I mean, I don't know much about NAU this year. I'm not going to pretend I do. Um, but I, I just – I don't know what to make of this team. And I mean, NAU beat Arizona last year on the road. Now, Arizona was very bad. Um, but still, like, I, you know, it's always a game that matters more to them because, you know, you have that little brother, you know, perception, which – perception and reality. Um, so they, they come in with a chip on their shoulder. Like, I – I think we win. Feel fairly confident we win, but I don't think it's going to be one of those. You know, we played some of those where it's you know uh, forty-two to three at the end of three quarters. I, I'd like that, but I don't really expect that. What is worse, if the offense struggles or if the defense struggles in this game? I, I think it's if the defense struggles. I would probably agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I they're both I bad. I, 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 I have very low expectations for the offense this year. So. So, it, you know, like, 
if we're going to overachieve, it's going to probably have to be with a good defense. So if the defense struggles against NAU, that, you know, dents the hopes of any overachieving right away from week one. Mm-hmm. I, so what to be, cl- I want to say a couple things off the bat here. I'm looking at ASU's thesundevils.com official schedule. Yeah. I already have some concerns that I've made a mistake by picking this because it says kickoff is seven o'clock on Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Mountain time, which I don't think is right. Well, it's the tricky. So to be fair to ASU, it's the mountain standard time. So technically that's Pacific time. It's very weird. People have a hard time with, and and I do too, but so technically it is correct, but it's actually Pacific time. So like for you, you do have to add the two hours. Yeah. They would be better off just putting local time. Just say it's local time because yeah, you're right. You know, that just confuses people or say Arizona time. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. That's easier. Uh, I always say that when people ask me, you know, what so time is it there or whatever, like it, it, we're in the Arizona time zone because yeah. it is weird. So technically you're, they're right. But also I, I get you, your point. Um, so this game is on PAC 12 network, which allows us to talk about the oral history of the PAC 12 network. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, there we go. Yeah. So Matt, you alerted me to the athletic article. Uh, that talked about the Pac-12 network and it's grand start and big hope. Yes. And flawed execution. Generously, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's flawed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was an interesting read. I think there was, uh, there was a lot in there that either already knew or already presumed. Um, But the the thing that came out of it to me, the, the headline item was the, the story, and I can't even now. I can't remember what year it was, but it was several years ago when AT and T bought Directv, and there was apparently a deal that was all but done mm-hmm. to you know get it on Directv, AT and T affiliates, all that. And if I remember the numbers right, it was going to be you know four million per school per year, but then each school had to spend roughly a million on AT and T services every yeah. year, so. Uh, again, amateur a, math. A net uh, three. I'm not, not a math major, but that's $3 million per year per school mm-hmm. that you didn't get. Which for ASU would have paid for your basically entire coaching staff. Outside. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And it would have, you know, solved an issue of just the, the, you know, black eye that came with not having it available, you know, missing and people not caring that it was missing. Would have solved that issue. And it sure sounded like from reading that article that Michael Crow, our beloved, and I put that in very sarcastic air quotes, president, put the kibosh on it and tells us it's a terrible deal, but didn't really explain. And I don't know if he was asked why, and they just didn't include it, but there was no explanation of why it was a terrible deal. Well, and the, On the surface, it seemed like a pretty good deal. Well, and the idea is like, well, we're pricing ourselves down. It makes us less attractive, but... $3 million per school yeah, and looking like the less pretty girl at the bar is right. better than $0 million per school and rolling the dice where we still wound up looking like the less pretty girl at right, the bar. Right, right, exactly. I mean, by that point, it was fairly clear that you weren't the SEC and you weren't the Big Ten. 
Yeah. Like that was pretty well established by that point in time. And so you should have taken what you could get. And, and the fact it was there, like, I don't know. And then, and then, you know, in, in the scope of that article, Michael Crow said, you know, that Larry Scott was a transition commissioner for like, a decade. Yeah. Last I checked a transition leader does not last what? 12, 12 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, like that's, that's laughable. Uh, you know, a transition coach, you know, is usually maybe three, four or five years at most. Yeah. Um, so, well, and there's a plan. Yeah. Like a transition implies a plan of transition. Right. There was right. no plan yeah. of transition. No, I, I mean, I believe that the Larry Scott believers, which started out as many people and then, you know, whittled down to just a few, Michael Crow being one, um, you know, thought he was the commissioner for life like he was going to be he was a godsend he was going to be Greg Sankey yeah yeah you know he was going to lead us to domination and uh, you know do all these wonderful things and yeah I mean that is the ultimate revisionist history to say you know he was our transition commissioner to a new media era blah 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 like come on no he was not he was expected to be a success and he was a failure there's no other way to say it well and the thing is I, I will, from my own perspective, say, at the outset, these were new ideas, and they seemed sure. good, and they seemed lively, sure. but it sure seemed like we stopped trying, didn't it? And that we... Yes. You know, yes. The, what he was doing, to me, was like the reverse of what happens in professional sports, um, just by virtue of how the world works he, yeah. but but ultimately he was trying to avoid being fired in professional sports when you think you're going to get fired either way you just make the trade you go all right. in because you don't right. care about the next guy and if it works you stay and if it doesn't who cares true but what he was doing was saying no 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 don't worry this whole time i've been eyeing two tv deals later right you right. know 2024 25 or whatever yeah we're gonna we're gonna win this everyone's gonna see how smart we are in nine years right right meanwhile you know the other conferences were were lapping us especially Mm -hmm. the sec the big 10 um you know well everyone but the sec not the ACC. yeah yeah and the big 12's had its problems too but but the big 12 the big 12's problem was effectively Texas got to do what they wanted and right, they, right, and it was exactly. a calculated yeah. risk that backfired because they still left. But when, <laughs> but when they were yeah. courted to come to the pac 12, then pac 10, yes. basically the big 12 was like, Hey, you want to create the longhorn network? You want to generate that revenue? You yeah. got to share it with the teams who play you. Right. But go, go ahead. But go ahead. And yeah, exactly. And yeah. it was a calculated and, and, you know, risk and it worked for, you know, Eight years. It worked for a while. It saved it saved them for a decade. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, that's the to me. I mean, and the article mentioned it. Like the, the pivot point for Larry Scott really came almost right at the beginning when he took the big swing on you know the Pac-16 that was going to include Texas and Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and I believe even A and M was was originally part of that group, mm-hmm. and that would have been huge absolutely huge if you could have pulled that off and you had those teams and you know you're the first to 16 and you you know uh but it, it didn't happen and they settled for colorado and utah which really didn't bring much to the table 
not to insult. I mean, look, Utah's a good program. You know, I'm very high on Utah football this year. You know, but but they just don't move the needle for anybody locally or nationally. Um, and and it just you know it was although, all downhill from there basically. Although I do want to say I don't know if you saw the five thirty eight story of who the Big Ten could look at for expansion. Utah no, finished surprisingly high on that. Yeah, because yeah. because they're a you know one of the AAU or oh, whatever AAU, yeah. schools, gotcha. and they're gotcha. they've got a bunch of research money, and they're pretty good yeah. at sports. They you know they scaled out as a better fit than Maryland, better yeah, fit than Rutgers. Yeah, I could see that. I mean. And, and again, I say that, and I don't, I don't mean that to be demeaning to Utah or Colorado. Now, Colorado has really not brought much to the table at all, football-wise, and some basketball, but not a ton. Um, but it's just, it, it just was like, I mean, I guess you know, like a, a metaphor, I guess, would be like thinking, you know, you're you're going to go get this big, huge buffet, and instead you show up and you just get like, you know, a cheeseburger and fries. And it's like the cheeseburger and fries ain't bad. But it's not what we were sold that we were going to have. We thought we were going to have a prime rib buffet. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, so it's just a letdown. And then, you know, and I think we've talked about this, uh, you know, changing the name of the conference. Like, mm-hmm. That's a small thing. And it was a thing that made logical sense to change it to the Pac-12. But nobody else changed their name. And I, and I think a, a small thing like that was probably not the right decision. You should have just stuck with the Pac-10. Well, Numbers you- don't matter. And you saw baseball had the same thing with the minor leagues when they changed it, and then they wound up this right. year changing it back. Yeah, you know, so you <laughs> so you lose some branding. I mean, the Pac-10 had a little bit of cachet. I'm not saying it's the SEC, but people knew what the Pac-10 was. And yeah, they still know what the Pac-12 is, but, you know, the more I've thought about that, as much as in the moment, uh, you know, I didn't even think like, well, yeah, you should keep it the Pac-10, but... You know, the Big 12 did, and the Big 10 did. And well, the Big 10 the Big had 10, 11 schools for a long time. They had 11, yeah, going back to, what, the mid-90s when Penn yeah. State joined. Um, and then, you know, went to 12, then went to 14, now 16. Um, and, and that branding matters. You know, would would the Big would the Big 14 network feel the same? Probably not. I, that seems stupid to say, but it just doesn't feel the same if you're doing that. So, again, small thing, but maybe not a small thing. Uh, you know, the article was interesting. I mean, to get back to the point at hand, it was it was an interesting read. Um, didn't shock me on a lot of fronts, but certainly the the couple comments by Michael Crow, there weren't many, were ones that just once again added to the pile of reasons why I think Michael Crow is not a good leader for at least for sports. I can't really comment on other stuff because I don't know it well enough. But when it comes to sports, I just don't trust him at the helm. Yeah. Though he did get Mullet Arena opened, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, great name. <laughs> Terrific. Name. I mean, I know it's I know it's named after a person and not a corporate sponsor, so I guess I like that. But you know, you're just setting yourself up to be made fun of with that too. Although it is good for hockey, I guess <laughs> it is. But what what is it about you know our our donors uh, having funny last names from the Dicky Dome to now Mullet Arena? Like, yeah. what, what, what's the deal with that? Can't we just get a donor that has, like, a regular last name, like Knight? Something like that. Makes it a cool name, like when Oregon builds a new basketball arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, that's a that's a cool name. We get the Dickey Dome and the Mullet Arena. Like, oh, okay. But, hey, you're right. That's, that's something good. 
There just hasn't been There's enough not enough, and things. it's not for the sports that we care about. Right, right. You know, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, getting back to the season, yes, the opening game's on Pac-12. I believe the third game is too, right? East it of is. Michigan. I and have already. I have already downloaded the ninety-eight point seven Arizona Sports app because I'm told that go. the radio yeah. broadcast will be carried on the app. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, who knows? It may may not be much longer that we have to deal with the Pac-12 network not getting it. I think you know we're we're headed for some type of change there, which is good. But yeah, we're gonna have to weather that storm at least one more season. Uh, so I've got the NAU game as a win. Me too. Me too. Yes. And uh, then, yeah, it should be. Then we travel to Stillwater, Oklahoma. Yep. Take on Oklahoma State Cowboys. Preseason ranked team, I think, right? I don't top know exactly 15. where, but top 15, sure I believe about. they're 12. Okay. Okay. Uh, I have that as a loss. Yeah, I, I think you almost <laughs> have to. Like, it's, um, you know, I don't think Oklahoma State is, is you know, uh, a world beater necessarily, but they're a good team. They, you know, were inches away from being in the college football playoff last year, um, and and it's at home for them. And, yeah, I don't, I don't see this ASU team being good enough to go on the road and really even compete against a, a top 25 team on the road. Yeah, so we both have them one and one, taking on Eastern Michigan, City of Tempe night. Yeah. Saturday night, Pac-12 Network, Pac-12 After Dark, except no one can see it, so it's dark all the time. Right, right. Eastern Michigan's not bad, you know? They're not good. What did they do last year? I can't, I can't, did they make a bowl game last year? I I know that doesn't say a lot, but still. I believe they did. Um, let me see if we can. Let me pull this up. The EMU okay. Eagles. Let's see, twenty twenty one. I know they didn't win the MAC or anything. I would remember that, but I don't remember what they did exactly. They didn't win the MAC. Let me see if ESPN's got the. Let me go to the ESPN. Okay. Official. I'm looking to. They did go to the Lending Tree Bowl against Liberty and got blown out by Liberty. Okay, okay. They yes, finished the year 7-5 seven seven in the regular season. Yeah. They got beat down by the Badgers. Um, otherwise, not uncompetitive, really. No, no. Blown out in the bowl game, I see. Yeah. But Liberty was a pretty good team. Um, yeah, I mean, they're they're not bad. Um a bigger that test than NAU. Still be a win, though. I would yeah. say bigger test than NAU, but should get the win. So yes, yes. Need those two. I mean, this is uh, you know we, you know, I'm not not saying anything I haven't said before. Like the first five games to me are fairly predictable. I hope. Uh, well, for for the two we've talked about so far that are wins at least, um, we should win those two. And after that, it doesn't seem great. Yeah. So then. Hispanic Heritage Night, the blackout night at Sun Devil Stadium against Utah, the odds-on favorite to win the Pac-12. We've played them tight uh, historically. I don't think we will play them tight this year. I have that as a loss two and two. I do too. I do too. I mean, we've we've pulled off some upsets uh, at home against highly ranked teams, you know, and 
you know, Washington a few years ago, Oregon three years ago. You know, so there's there's some hope there, but I think Utah is the best team in the conference. Um, it's one of those where if you told me, you know, if we got USC at home, I might be a little bit more like, well, maybe we can pull an upset there. But I don't know that having Utah at home matters. I, I just think they're going to be much better. Um, and I'm not sure how good our home crowds are going to be this year. There's there's a lot of negativity surrounding the program, and a lot and and you know negativity means apathy in, in Phoenix. Um, you know it's so. Are we are we really going to have a packed house and a great atmosphere for Utah? I I would not bet on it. Well, the other thing, the old adage, defense travels. I, I don't know that we're going to score enough even if our defense plays well against utah and it's too exactly. loud and it messes with them true, that, true, I, true. what's our yeah, offense going to do against that defense right right yeah it's it's just i don't you know i i would say you could you could make a case maybe not a convincing one why we could you know beat utah why we could beat usc on the road because you know okay it's a home game against utah and you play well at home and usc's got a lot of question marks how good but i just don't see it I just, I just don't think, you know, if we were a better team, that case would be more compelling. Uh, I just don't see it from from the team we've got on no, the field. That's a that's a loss. I've got USC the next week as a loss. So we're Me two too. and three. Me too. Which so so then you know, like I, like I said, I feel like two and three. I would say there's a ninety percent chance we're two and three. Uh, you know, and and with those two wins and those three losses. And then it, then the season hits its pivot point. That's to me where it gets interesting is the rest of October, home to Washington, bye week at Stanford at Colorado. That's a it's a very manageable stretch if you're a halfway decent team. And that if is the part that I'm not sure about yet. Yeah. Well, I we'll see if our paths diverge here. So. Washington, it's the Hall of Fame game slash green game slash rising devils uniform. All of the home <laughs> games, I'm going to tell you what they are because it's insane. I'm, a, I'm appreciating it only because of exactly that, how ridiculous it is. I have that as a loss. I, I am two and four and going into the bye. If we were going to make a coaching change, this would be where it is. Yeah. I don't think we will. I don't either. So, so that one I have as a win, and it's one of those that, like, if the first five games the results match exactly what we said, I still may reevaluate that pick by the time we're in game week because, you know, okay, if we're two and three, but those three losses were we're competent, we're competitive, we're we're looking like we're still invested in the season, then I think a home game against a Washington team that probably is decent. But I don't think great yeah. is a is a prime bounce back opportunity. You come home, you you know, you lick your wounds from two tough games to start the conference season, and you get a win. But if we're blown out by USC, and it seems like the team is quitting, then you know my my prediction will certainly change in the week of. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take the glass half full side of this coin and say we're still in the season, we're still invested. We get a home win there against Washington. So you and I, I'm just saying now, have a different view of how this season is going to go. Uh, but well, our, mine isn't but, tremendously great. Don't no, get me wrong. I mean, but you know, our like, week, don't, 
our weekly picks is different from this. As the season progresses, things can change. Absolutely, yeah. You know, like I I said, I think two and three is going to be my projection each week for the first five games. I can't see that changing. Um, Where things could change is after week five. You know, how does this team actually look? You know, I could have us losing the remaining games, or I could talk myself into, you know, seven or eight wins. I'm somewhere between there right now. Yeah. Um, so bye week, then travel to Stanford. The tree has struggled, but David yes, Shaw also hates Herm Edwards. That's true. That's true, yes. There's a lot of animosity here. If it was at home, I would say we could win. Yeah. But I have the wheels kind of coming off. So I have us losing this game. Yeah, and I have a loss there too. And and I'm not super high on Stanford. What it what it came down to, honestly, is this: I'm I'm less high on Colorado, which is the next game, and I just don't see like we've had good ASU teams, pretty darn solid ASU teams that haven't been good enough to win back to back conference road games. Yeah. So it's hard for me to pick this team to do so. So it was kind of one of those like, all right. I can't talk myself into really sweeping this October three games, even though I think it's very doable for a good team. I think it's very doable, but -hmm. I don't think we're a good team. So yes, I have that as a loss too. All right. So I'm two and five. You're three and four. Yeah. I think we're on the same page here that we both have the ESPN televised game at Colorado as a win. Do we know it's on ESPN? ESPN, ESPN2, or ESPNU, according to... Oh, it's already been picked up? How about that? Is that a weeknight game, or is it a Saturday? Saturday. Oh, okay. Time TBD. Okay. I I was like, I thought you were, like, setting up a joke that it was going to be on ESPN8, the Ocho, with, with, you know, the Brock Osweiler crew or something like that. Um, Yes, I have that as a win. Uh, You know... Now, if your projection is more accurate than mine and we're going in there two and five, then I'm a little less optimistic about that. But mm-hmm. I've got us still having a pulse by the end of October, so I've got it as a win. I I have it as more two teams that someone has to win this game. Yeah, kind of, and, yes. And so we're going to win because we are more talented, even though I think both of us have quit on the system, on the season. Yeah. And that's that's it. Like I think Colorado could very well have rolled up the sidewalks on the season by that point too. So I'm going to take that as a win. Again, you know, any like I've said just a minute ago, good ASU teams winning on the road is not a given. So I I hate to be too confident about a road win, but I'm not too confident. Let's let's just admit that I'm not too confident, but I I'm going to pick it as a win. So I'm three and five. You're four and four. Heading yeah. into November 5th, home against UCLA, it is Salute to Service Day slash Family Weekend slash Maroon Monsoon Game. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I remember when we didn't have a theme for every game. There was only like, there was Homecoming and Family Weekend, and I think like City of Tempe Night was always yeah. the first game. That was about it. And but now City whatever. of Tempe Night's not the first game, which is crazy. Uh, right, right. Yeah, no, I don't the know. The first why night either, is but... faculty and staff appreciation night, probably because yeah. there's plenty of seats available that they can give to faculty and staff. Uh, I'm sure there will be, yeah, yeah. But uh, 
So now we're yes, taking on that, UCLA. That, that brings UCLA into town. Good, with, good team, I think. You know, I I have them finishing third in the conference, so I'm fairly high on them. Yeah, it's DTR. It's Chip Kelly. I have that as a loss. I have us falling further into the hole at three and six. Yeah, well, I think I gave away there that I have it as a loss too. I'm, you know, I don't think UCLA is, you know you know, sleeper playoff team or anything like that. But I, I think they could win nine or 10 games this year. And so with that, I, I don't have them losing to ASU. So, okay. I'm three and six. You're four and five. Four and five. Yeah. The next week we travel to Washington state Pullman mid November. Our, our annual road trip in November to the Pacific Northwest. It yeah. seems like it's, I mean, one of those four schools, if not two of them, we always play there in November. Yeah, this is a not a chance, in my view, for ASU. I agree. I've, I mean, three and seven, not yeah, a good I look. Just, I just think, you know, I think I'm not super high on Washington State, but I think they're pretty good. Um, and, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, a road game like that, you know, again, Pacific Northwest, not not kind to us on good years. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, I've got that as a loss, too. Mm-hmm. And then we come home for Oregon State. It is homecoming slash gold out slash senior day. Of course. Homecoming and senior day being the same game is weird. It's terrible. But but we yeah. have to do it because the the issue, I'll tell you where the issue is, is the Washington game and the Utah game, one of those should have been family day. Yes, it should have. Because you can't have family weekend be the home game the right before homecoming and senior day. That's true. That's so true. Yeah. You need yeah, three weekends and instead they've combined them, which is yeah, a terrible no. look. So Yeah, now granted we have only six home games this year, so you gotta condense your, your theme nights, I guess, a little bit more. But couldn't we have and, put couldn't we have put Hispanic Heritage Night with City of Tempe Night? I would think so. Yes. Yes. And now, then the blackout wonder, becomes the Hall of Fame game and then Washington's yeah, game becomes family weekend. I mean, my only thought, and I don't know if this is the thought process behind it, but you want, you know, family weekend, theoretically, to be nicer weather. And October 8th could still be pretty hot. Early October here and there, you know, like, it's a toss-up. You could get some nice weather in October, but it's not as much of a given. You could have a 100-degree day on October 8th, whereas November 5th, you probably won't. Well, you could put so homecoming I, with family weekend, then. Yeah. Make that the same. Could. Make you those could. both yeah, November 5th. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean... I don't love homecoming being senior day. I, I will agree with that. I, I think that's a little weird, but you know, Whatever. it is what it is. They didn't ask us. Yeah. No. Uh, anyway, we're playing Oregon state. They're going to be really good. So we're probably going to lose that game as well. Uh, yeah. I think, I, I mean, uh, you know, I told you when we did the PAC 12, I, I think Oregon state, Washington state are both kind of sleepers in the conference. I, I didn't have the guts to pick, one of them to actually make the conference title game. I thought about it, but I didn't go through with it. But I think they're both pretty good. So yeah, I've got that as a loss too. I've got a that would that would end our bowl eligibility hopes there at four and seven. And you've got and that I'm, happening the week before, obviously. Uh, yeah, I'm at three and eight. And so then Friday after Thanksgiving, afternoon kick on FS1 yeah. at Arizona. I, look, I don't like doing this. 
but I've had us lose a number of games in a row. And I don't think we write the ship that weekend. So I have us yeah. finishing at three and nine with, now, one, with no wins in November. Yeah. I mean, you could make the logical case that if my predictions to that point are correct and any hopes of a bowl game are dashed the week before that we show up uninvested in the Arizona game. But I, again, I'm going to go glass half full and I'm going to say, you know, anybody who's still here cares about the rivalry game. You, you know, you, you get into that because it's the last game. You're not going to a bowl. You know, it's, you know, for some guys, the last time they'll play college football, I'm going to say we get enough motivation and, and, you know, look, Herm may be on the way out, but Herm's popular with the players. So maybe the players rally together and say, we want to send Herm out on a win and we get that win down in Tucson. We keep the streak alive, at least against Arizona, give you, give you something to come back for. It's like a bad round of golf, but you made one par and it's like, Hey, that keeps me coming back. The win over Arizona would be that for, for this ASU team. You remember when we did this one year and we picked them to go undefeated or only lose one game? Yeah, I think last year we we both picked them what ten and two or better. Yeah, yeah pretty and, sure. Uh, did, yeah. yeah, I'm at three and nine. And yeah, I, I got I'm, five and seven, and I, you know, that's that was bordering on optimistic. Uh, I mean, like again, like I could see us losing to Washington. Mm-hmm. And I can see us losing in Colorado, and I can see us losing at Arizona. I mean, the three conference wins I picked, none of them I'm sitting here like, oh, we'll win that. No, no problem. You know, like, no, no problem at all. Um, because I just don't really have much confidence in how good this team is. And, and so, you, you know, it's like, well, does it matter who the opponent is if you're not very good in the first place? Yeah. Uh, we typically do this every year. I, given the records, I don't think it's going to be that inspiring, but your offensive MVP and your defensive MVP for the team. Sure. I mean, I, offensive MVP, I guess I'd pick Emory Jones yeah. um, just because I think he's going to have the, the, the most weight on his shoulders and, and, you know, have to put up stats mm-hmm. running and passing because I don't know that anybody else, you know, I don't think we're going to have a good enough running game to take the pressure off him. So, yeah, I mean, I'd go with him and defensive MVP. Gosh, uh, Kyle Soelli. Yeah, it's, I, I, you know that it's an uninspired pick, but I mean, he's a good player. He's reliable. Yeah, I wanted to take Merlin Robertson, but I'm, about that too. I'm going to go with Omar Norman Lot. Okay, uh, okay, I like that pick. You know, I think maybe he'll have one of those. You know, out of nowhere, he'll come up with like ten sacks or something. Yeah, yeah, and I like maybe that, Mickey. and maybe six of them come in the first four weeks. But <laughs> could be, could be. But that's that's a that's a good one. He was, uh, if I remember right, he was going to transfer and then took he his name out of the portal. the portal, and then Lole entered the portal. So then he came right. out of the portal, and Lole left. Came back, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, you know, hey, I, I'd, I'd like to see that. And who's your offensive pick? Is it Jones? Yeah. Yeah, I thought about Valaday just yeah. because I think, you know, Jones might get hurt, but Valaday might get hurt. So I'm, and, I'm taking Jones. Might. I mean, that that is the thing with every, like, you know, like Jones was, he was healthy last year with Florida. I think he was a little banged up at the end of the year. 
Um, but yeah, I just feel like he's going to be exposed to a lot of hits, both, you know, as a passer pass rush and also run plays. So yeah, depending, I mean, I guess there's a, there's a little, you know, prop bet type of thing. Uh, you know, how many quarterbacks start a game for us this year? I'm going to say two, just two. Although I, it'd be interesting if there were three. Yeah. So are we are we getting the vibe that Borgay's the backup and Tyson's the three? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Doesn't bode well for Paul Tyson. No, I think Paul Tyson is gonna be a guy who, if he hangs around, it's to become a coach. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Which hey, that's that's fine. I mean, not you know. Not everybody is meant to go play in the NFL or anything like that. And, you know, hey, he can, he's had a, a nice run. He's got at least one championship ring from Alabama. I think mm-hmm. just one. But, you know, he, he won a national championship. He had his time there. He gets to finish it out in Arizona. I think there are worse ways to spend your college time, I suppose. Yeah. Um. Look, this is also doubling as our game preview. Yes, so, yes. Any final score predictions for the NAU game? Oh, sure. Um, I'll say... I'll say 31 to 17. Okay, you and I are similar. I'm going to say 27-13, but okay. 20 to 13 going into the fourth. Yeah, I could see it being a game that you feel like... Uh, like why why have we not put this game away you know we're we're one mistake away from you know letting them tie the game or something like that um but yeah i think we i think we get the win and i think we beat eastern michigan um and then it's you know really for me it's like in a way uh you know fast forward to october 2nd mm-hmm. and and where is this team at then like what you know i think the record is fairly fairly safe to predict it'll be two and three, but, but how does, does it, it look like they've quit, yeah. or does it look like hey we're, we've been competitive we we've got something here we could we could scratch our way to six or seven wins if we you know keep it together. Well, we'll break it all down. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben Matt Sportscast.